This is Carcon Carne. I'm James Van Osdell. Not in the car today. In fact, I'm at Few Spirits, hidden, tucked away in a back alley in Evanston. And before we begin tonight, or today, or whenever you're watching it, Carcon Carne is sponsored by my friends at Suburban Roofing and Siding. So I'm recording this on February 26th. It's a Sunday. It's kind of a beautiful day in the Chicago area. It's an illusion. This is a deception. The weather will change. The elements will change. We know this. We live in the Midwest. That's kind of how it goes. If you're listening or watching in the area, you know, the storms are coming, then they can be brutal on your home. For a homeowner, when your windows, gutters, and doors take a beating, and you think you may have damages that could qualify you for a roof and or siding replacement through your insurance, talk to my friends at Suburban Roofing and Siding for a free nine-point inspection of your property exterior before you call the insurance company. Let them assess any damages you may have and walk you through the steps of a claim hassle-free. They're an accredited member of the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating, and all their contractors are licensed, bonded, and insured. They also use the highest quality materials available at no additional charge to you. Call 224-677-6149, 224-677-6149, or visit them at suburbanroofingandsiding.com. Carcun Carney, also sponsored by 90 Days in the 90s. 90 Days in the 90s is a book written by my friend Andy Fry. It is a fiction book. It is a look back on Chicago music, specifically the Chicago music scene of the 90s. Darby owns a record store in the book, and she discovers the Gray Line. It's a part of the Chicago Transit Authority that you won't find on any map. But the Gray Line takes her back in time to the 1990s, and she can relive all that cool stuff. She can go back to Lounge Axe, Metro in the early days, and soak up all that 90s culture. It's a cool trip back. If you lived in Chicago during that time, it'll seem awfully familiar to you. If you didn't, you know, you know the vibe. You know that that was kind of like the Camelot of the time, and you can go back with my friend Andy Fry. Get a copy of the book on Amazon or 90daysinthe90s.com. It's Car Con Carne. Here we are at Few Spirits in Evanston. Point Out Pondering started off 2023 with their 10th full-length album, Keep On Loving Each Other. I've got a visual aid. Oh, yeah. The messages within are exactly what we all need to hear at this point in our shared history. And the songwriting and musicianship is world-class. I mean, it's Point Out Pondering. Uh, joining me for this episode is none other than Frank Orrell of Point Out Pondering. Like I said, we're at the award-winning distillery Few in Evanston, Illinois. We're enjoying some bourbon. Some rye? Yeah. Yeah, we're really enjoying it's some delicious. rye. <laughs> yeah, we're out of the car for a reason today. I want to thank Paul Holetko of Few for the hospitality. Yeah. Point Dog Pondering started the year with two sold-out shows at Thalia Hall for the record release. Next up, uh, Frank, you'll be down the street at Space in May. Yep. Doing the solo thing. And then the full Point Dog Pondering experience at River Edge in Aurora this summer. That's a summer show right there. That's right, yeah. So this new album, I want to talk about it. We're living in a very dark, cynical, acrimonious time. Enter Poi Dog Pondering with this new album, with all these inspiring, hopeful messages. It's almost like an outlier to everything else I see uh, and experience in the world. Yeah, I um, yeah, I was just riding my bike through Hyde Park and where I live, and um, 
And there was this big mural. Somebody just wrote, you know, keep on loving each other. And I just, I just thought, yeah, you're right. And that became the album. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, lots of hooky songs on the album. Do It Your Own Way yeah. starts the album. Um, shame on you. That song, cannot, I can't shake it out of my head. <laughs> Thank you. Again, that positivity, that the messages, which, I mean, you, you see and hear everything we all see and hear. Are you, is this just who Frank Oral is? I mean, I, you know, I, I notice that when I write a, a lot, I'm, there's a lot of um, kind of encouraging people to follow their heart, you know. Um, um, and, and it probably because it's something that I need to always be mindful of myself. So it keeps showing up in my writing, you know. There's like a, you know, like a sort of, you know, and, but I just think like it's an important, for some reason I think like it's an important thing that people need to hear, maybe that I need to hear too all the time. So yeah, it's okay, follow your own heart, do 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 live your life your own way, you know. And try so, to be kind. Be yeah, yourself. try to be kind, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a song right after that, the, the song right after that, Free and Easy, this is almost like Style Council meets Yacht Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's, that's a very apt and uh, well-based <laughs> observation, yeah. One of the many things I love about Poy Dog Pondering is you have world-class musicians, and everyone in the band gets to be a star, sometimes in the same song. And yeah. this is an example of that. Yeah. I, I mean, right out of the gate, the horns grab you, yeah. and then you're grabbed by those beautiful otherworldly backup vocals mm -hmm. that's like kelly hogan and, and nora o'connor keen yeah i mean it doesn't get better than those yeah two. they're amazing um but i i love it for a band as voluminous as poi dog pondering everyone gets to stand out no one gets lost lost in the songwriting or the the performance you know i think there were two two really key things on this record that that i think support what you're saying and and also like it was it was a directive that we that we had going into the record was um, one was that uh, we wanted to make sure that we didn't clutter up the tracks, you know, so let everything have, let have, a, have a feature. So like sometimes not all the instruments made it into the final mix, but the ones that made sense to go forward and to really shine, they, they got to do so uncluttered. The other was that, you know, I spent probably the last 10 years just listening to Brazilian music from like the late 60s and the 70s um, um, uh, people like Jorge Ben, Antonio Carlos Jobim, uh, João Gilberto, and they, especially Antonio Carlos Jobim, he worked with a, um, uh, uh, Klaus Ogerman, who was an orchestral arranger, and Antonio always gave him lots of space to, like, you know, to do what he does. And so when, when writing for this record, I made sure to leave lots of holes so, like, you know, uh, Paul Mertens and Susan Bells and Max Crawford, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, woodwinds, violins, and, and brass collectively could stretch their wings with their um, orchestral arrangements. And so made sure to leave like that big hole in the middle of, of between the two verses in free and easy. So, you know, Max could go and then Susan and then the, the you know, so, and, and on to like Sweet Taste. We left those big, very purposefully so, so that way we could let everyone run. Well, you mentioned Sweet Taste of Love. It, that just strikes me. It's a song about the, the comfort and security of being with that right person. Yes, yeah, yeah. As simple as that is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. Talking about performers or instruments kind of taking the lead, when I hear Bespeckled Angel, nice soulful song, I mean, the piano stands out on that one for yeah. me. But that's yeah, very intentionally. I mean, uh, I, I, ironically, I mean, like, 
when Ted and I started working, Ted's uh, my guitarist, and, and we've co-produced a lot together. Um, we've been together since Hawaii. I was going to say, there's, there's yeah, been yeah. Some, some history yeah. shared. And so uh, we work very well in the studio together. Like, I get on the drum kit. I'll, we'll sit together with the acoustic guitars, work out the structure of the songs, just make decisions about direction. I'll get on the drum kit. He'll get on the guitar. We'll smash it out together live. Like, kind of like get a, get a feeling. Like, it's like almost getting elbow room inside the song, you know, testing the, testing the walls, kicking the tires. And then, um, but while we were doing this, we, were, we watched a documentary on Primal Scream who both of us really like, and, um, and uh, it was on the record that they made called um, Don't Give Out, D Give Out But Don't Give In, I think it was called. Yeah, it was mid-90s, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, but right after they made Scream of Delica, which was like around 90, they went down to Memphis and recorded with Tom Dowd at Trident, which we had just been there like two years before tracking stuff for, with the Memphis Horns. They went down there to record with the Memphis Horns to get this kind of, you know, they have this love of the stones, you know, it shines through on songs like Damaged from Scream of Delica or whatever. But well, they, and that album you referred to, uh, that's one with uh, Get Your Rocks Off, Get Your yeah, Rocks, yeah, exactly. Total Stones. Love, yeah, yeah no, and so they made this full-on Stones record and then decided not to release it, and then they went on to make another version of it that was a little more trying to follow up Scream of Delica. They finally went back and realized they passed on a genius album. So anyways, we were listening to that album and got very inspired. And so, you know, you have the piano playing for the Stones, Nicky Hopkins, you know, and then you, but then you uh, have um, uh, for uh, Primal Scream, it's Martin Duffy, who's an incredible pianist. And, and so we had our, 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 our keyboard player, Rick Garenbeck, we, we fed him both, because um, he's more into jazz and funk. So we fed him Exile on Main Street and, and also uh, Martin Duffy from the Primal Scream stuff. And told him we were looking for piano in that style, you know, which is a very Stones, Exile on Main Street era, mm -hmm. you know, the vibe that we were going for. And Rick just nailed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listening to you talk, this is something I think we've always known about Poydog Pondering. Poydog is uncategorizable, and I think that's just because you're, you're students of music. You, you, you've ingested everything, and you kind of synthesize the best of what you've enjoyed and processed through the years. Yeah, and, I, and we've also given ourselves the... Um, um, the ability to um, not be not be held down by a definition of sound like you know like I would say I love the Ramones but the Ramones were held down by a definition of sound or ACDC they are held down like they can't go make a Yacht Rock record <laughs> I can <laughs> damn right <laughs> you know we sort of we sort of open up this elbow room going like no we're going to follow all of our influences and we're not going to be defined by a sound you know it's going to be whatever we're feeling in the moment and it gives us that freedom to do that. Licked all the sugar on the new album, Keep on Loving Each Other. Uh, this is a fantastic example of where the lyrics and the music are so perfectly matched because the music creates that vibe of waking up after a long night and it just, yeah. everything kind of clicks on that one. Yeah, no, it's a really nice, um, uh, um, you know, we so I had the, the song licked all the sugar um, in my fingertips on the guitar, you know, the, like could play it and then felt like it should be a transitional point in the record. And then, uh, but we didn't quite know what to do with it. And then Ted wrote that opening chord structure for that whole thing. And then we gave it to Susan and Max and Paul, and then they orchestrated it and it just worked out wonderfully. 
you just said something talking about a transitional point in the record. I, I was going to mention Keep on Loving Each Other is the perfect way to close the album. But based on what you just said, or in addition to what you just said, album sequencing matters. Yes. And I think it's kind of a lost art form as we're living in this very a la carte music world. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So is that, is that a painstaking thing? Or do you kind of know as you're writing these songs, oh, that's, that's, that's one of the ones we're going to put on top. We're, we're going we're gonna to put Sweet Taste in My Mouth early or... No, I mean, uh, I think this record, I, uh, I didn't know at all what order the songs were. I didn't know what the first track was going to be. I had a really strong feeling that Keep on Loving Each Other was going to be the last track. It feels like a, a coda, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, um, so that one was pretty obvious to me. Um, and um, actually, we wrote that transition point for um, the, the beginning of Licked All the Sugar for Do It Your Own Way. You know, we sort of thought, you know, because I was writing a lot of songs in this sort of cluster of chords, you know, like, a, and we thought we were going to link them all together, kind of like the Beatles, um, Abbey Road, the way that all the songs, it's almost like a third of a song goes into a third of a song goes mm -hmm. into a third of a song, you know, came in through the bathroom, and, you know, like, they obviously stitched that thing together, you know, and so we thought we were going to do that, and, and it wasn't, it, they didn't go together in the right way, so we ended up burying it later in the record, but then it, it landed at a really sweet spot where it's like where it was able to do that transitional thing. Let's talk about sex, Frank. Frank yeah. Earl. <laughs> talk about sex, baby. <laughs> when I think about some of your sexier songs, uh -huh. uh, "Diamonds and Buttermilk" is one that comes to mind. Yep. That was fairly racy, uh -huh. one, one might say. In the modern day, "Meet Me in the Forest" is perhaps a bit more reserved. Uh -huh. But what's interesting, and it occurred to me as I was listening to this, uh, both situations in those two songs. Are thunderous. Ah. That, that that is a. I seek the thunder of you. Right. Yeah. 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 It's a recurring yeah. recurring metaphor. Yeah. 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 Um, not intentionally, and uh, you know, but, but maybe because, uh, and I never stopped to think about it, you know, but maybe because like uh, they're both natural phenomena. <laughs> <laughs> Just to take a step back, since I mentioned diamonds and buttermilk, we're approaching. I mean, it, it's distant but it's not we're approaching the 30-year anniversary of pomegranate yep is that something you're thinking about yeah i mean you know we did a 20-year or 25-year um at the vic theater mm -hmm. where we brought out the original hawaii street band you know flew them out and uh, they played earlier and then people from the austin era as well as chicago era but then yeah did that um we did played the record whole all the way through so I don't know that we'll do it on the 30th, you know, because we did it on 25. But, but maybe a commemorative release, or is that... Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, possibly. Stickers, a t-shirt, Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't thought of it yet, but you're right. I mean, here we are, 2003, that's two years away. Yeah, maybe. The vibiest song, in my opinion, yeah. on the album is Wake It Now. Ah, nice. That, that's yeah. one of those close your eyes and kind of let, let the music take you on that journey sort of song. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that one, I mean, I, I it's... Uh, I, without intending to, but I noticed all of a sudden I was writing these very 80s infused songs. Um, not like they're not like throwbacks, but they're you know I came up playing in uh, you know lots of lots. I came up in the 80s, so um, first started writing and playing, but I never worked that side of myself there. And then, um, but this one just came out that way. But so even the vocals are very dramatic. I mean, you, you, you know, realize, I mean, 80s were very dramatic. Everybody's very self-aware self, self -aware and going through it, you know. And, um, 
and and uh, so that song just yeah, kind of came out very fast. But there again, you know, it's almost that return to that thing of like, uh, you know, going to have to wake it now. You know, uh, you know, you got it's there again. It's like following your heart thing. It's sort of there, you know, like a, your heart fell asleep. You know, you're going to have to wake it now. You know, so kind of thing like that. What were you like in the '80s? Since you brought it up, I um, in the '80s, uh, uh, I was 20 in 1980. Um, I started playing drums in bands in Hawaii, like a uh, punk new wave bands there. Um, and I was just really just playing drums three to five nights a week, like, you know, in, in all these bands. And, and um, I uh, was a mod, a decided mod. I had a scooter. I, I loved the mod lifestyle. Just to bring it back to Paul Weller and the style. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm a big Paul Weller fan. That's why you're absolutely on point when you notice that in that song, for sure. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's a huge influence on me. I, I just love the way he's from the jam to the style council to his own things. Just, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's doing it. Uh, and uh, uh, but um, and then I, um, you know, surfed. I was, you know, I was a surfer too, and and um, still do. But um, during that period, um, and then probably when I was about twenty four, twenty five, so when I started to write my first songs, and then I got completely into songwriting little four track I, my, I made them the alias Point Dog Pondering at that point and I started making records out of my bedroom um, on four and eight track um, and selling them on consignment in stores but that's when the bit really went in the mouth and I became a songwriter and a musician for life like I knew I knew I knew this, this is what I'm doing you know before that I was cutting class and surfing <laughs> which I think that's what you do there that's, yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine living a life any other way down yeah. there uh, I was just thinking of you in the 80s made me think instantly of, well, you know, what was I doing in the 80s? I was listening to New Order. Hey, Poor Dog Pondering recorded like one of my favorite covers of all time of Love Vigilantes. The, the- I, I love New Order. I mean, I just think their, their melody stuff is unbelievable. You know, all the intertwining stuff with the low end guitars. We, Max and I both bond on our love for New Order's melodies. They're just, I mean, they're, they're just great, undeniable, you know. So you've, you've been in this industry. You've been in the musical orbit for so long. Is it easier or harder now to be an independent musician than when you were selling music on consignment in the 80s versus present day? Has it come full circle? It's come full circle completely. I mean, we're making records out of our bedroom now and selling them on consignment. No, you know, not really. We're selling them. You know, but, but you, know, it's, you know, it feels very much like I went through the whole thing. I mean, I went through making records at home on a four track, selling them on consignment, making the covers, selling them on consignment, playing on the street, doing that. And then it got signed to an indie label, got signed to a major label, started our own record company. And, you know, like now it's kind of feels like almost like the same thing. We're you know, like we, we're, we're literally making records out of our bedrooms again. I mean, you can't sell enough records to warrant going into a studio to pay for a studio. Right. So you make it at home. But the gear's gotten so good that, you know, ever since Pomegranate, Pomegranate, we rented out an old disused basketball gym in Cabrini Green. And track the record there, you know, um, and then um, every record we've sort of made in a makeshift space, you know, and now we're all we, like, you know, Ted's got a, a like a lofted apartment, and, but he can put set up a drum kit there, and guitar amp, so we can do that there. I've got place, Susan's got a place, so we can all go to each other's places and track, and the gear's so good that it sounds great, and you know, so we're back making it, and we're you know, I did the artwork, went down my my. Landlord is a beautiful uh, 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 designer, 
uh, you know, a graphic designer, Sheila Sachs. She does stuff mm-hmm. for Pravda Records. Oh, she's, and for, yeah, she's yeah, world class, yeah. And a reader and things like that. And uh, so I, we went down there and, we, you know, had coffee one day and just knocked out the artwork for the record, just talking story and just made it, you know. I've been collecting imagery and had the idea, you know, how I wanted the stuff, but then we literally could just make it that fast, you know. So it feels like handmade again. Yeah. You know, maybe when I was working on Columbia, when I was signed at Columbia, was the roughest time for me because decision by committee all the time. You know, there's an A&R person in the room. There's a, you know, the vice president, you know, the person from the art department, you know, for, I mean, for graphic design department for the art. Everybody's, you know, we're on site shooting a video and, and the A&R guy's there is telling the director that he wants a wide shot, you know. I was like, we had the, we had the cameraman from Slacker, uh, Lee Daniels, directing our first video and some Yahoo, you know, from... 30 Rock was like there telling him he wants more wide shots. And I was like, back up, <laughs> give him some space, let this guy do what he does. I don't have to deal with that now. It's great. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Hey, are videos something that still interests you? Like, is that something you'd want to dig further into? Um, yeah, I mean, I would like to. It's, um, I, I really feel like I should be actively making videos for this record. And I just haven't got there yet. But I have the tools. I mean, I could shoot it on an iPhone. You know, I have, you know, I can edit it. Um, it's there. It's just changing my mindset after coming out of recording. And then, but my intention is to make a lot of videos for this record. I, I mentioned from the beginning of this, the musicianship in Poor Dog, always world-class. I mean, the, the, you've got the best people in this band. As you're piecing albums together, specifically this new one, you and Ted kind of hammered everything out. But as you're getting the various parts from people, like as you're getting Susan's violin, like as they're coming over, what do you think? What's it like to have those initial visions fleshed out by these players in particular? No, it's incredible. And, you know, you like, like, you know, we sort of make decisions about the songs, you know, like we feel like it should happen this way. And then we talk to people and they bring in their, everybody has their expertise that they do. And then, so sometimes I'm there in the studio. Sometimes I, I stay out and let them just run their thing, you know? Um, and um, Ted on this record was uh, he act, he recorded every most everything, other than stuff that I recorded at home. But so oftentimes I would just let them let Ted be alone with whoever was tracking, and um, and then for me to go, sit back and listen to it comes out speakers like it's a beautiful surprise, you know. And the thing is that the band's been a band for so long that that um, Max can write something at home, Susan can write something, they can show up at the studio, and it dovetails. It's you know, amazing. you know, they're, they're, they're like. It's like a language that's yeah. been developed over 33 years or whatever it's been, you know? Well, it's funny because I talked to Susan end of last year and I asked her something similar just with the amount of people that are in Poi Dog Pondering. Like, I know it's hard for me in my everyday business world to get consensus out of four people on a Teams call. Like, for you to kind of work together and have that fluidity with that many people in the band seems, well, I know it's not, not normal. Yeah, I, I think that what, you know one of the things that we uh, we have adopted for a long time is like you never say no to an idea. If somebody's got an idea, like well, I think we should try this. It's like, all right, let's try it. And then with with the idea that the obvious, like in other words, you might have someone might have a, a number of different ideas on how what should happen in the, either the arrangement or in the solo section or something in a song. And so we, we never just say, nah, that's a junk idea. You know, it's like, all right, let's track it. Because the, the right idea will be obvious when, you, when it comes back over the speakers, you know? I love that. Nine times, nine and a half times out of ten, you know? Everyone will go, yeah, that's the one. It's hard to do an interview in the Chicago area 
talk about poor dog pondering and not talk about the fans. It, it, it's the community support that yeah. exists for this band is exceptional and again not normal. Yeah. Talk about your relationship with poor dog pondering's fans. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is true. I mean, it's like a you know, it's a it's a really beautiful loyal fan base and and um, um you know the, the, like the it's always been that way i mean there, there used to be a group called the poi pounders like they kind of like they, they they made a group and they actually made t-shirts and they would show up and they would be at the shows together you know or like and um and now there's some other there's some social media uh, groups and they and the, you know i can see them all kind of connecting there and um we, when we traveled we were just down in austin and i saw people from denver i saw people from new jersey i saw people from uh, you know, diff, you know, from Chicago even. So, so it's, you know, it's it's nice that people travel to the shows. And, yeah, I'm thankful for it. How do you feel about social media? Um, it's uh, I'm not sure. I don't really have a hard feeling about it. You know, it's like one of these things where it just becomes course de rigor. You know, it's like you know. So I I don't I I use it kind of like a uh, like a megaphone. Mm-hmm. You know, I just like you know like we have a show coming up. You know, like I. I I don't really interact too much on it, um, not because you know, just just because it, it gets hard. Like you either have to be really active, or else not active. Because if you're just sort of active every once in a while, then people are like, yeah, you know, they get people get touchy about whether you're how much you're active. Right. So I just go like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, you know. It's we don't have many ways left now to get the word out. You know, like. There's there's few things I'm thankful that you're doing this. It's like you know there's you know there's far and few between. You know you get people like where you get a chance to like make something, and if some a lot of times it feels like a forest you know tree just falling yeah. in the forest you know, and so we're thankful whenever there's ability to, you know to put the word out, and um, and you know and then social media is like even though it feels like you're talking to the world but you're really just talking to a cul-de-sac but at least you're talking to a cul-de-sac an, an interested cul-de-sac. <laughs> yeah but you just touched on something we're in this interesting time where music is available everywhere every song ever recorded can be found but i think an issue or a problem for music fans oh yeah uh, you're gonna oh more right yeah absolutely I, I think a problem for music fans is lack of knowing where to find the curators I yeah. think back in the day, like when Volo Volo came out, like there was a process for people to discover that music, whether it was through CMJ or traditional radio or whatever. These days, I think it's harder for people to find stuff they like because the the curators are less clearly identified because there are so many of them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I I I I love curation. I love when somebody's like pulling it together and you get to know their personality and they and you you know I just I love it when when things are actively selected. Um, and uh, in in some ways, you're right. We get there's so many of them now, but you know, but there, but there is a lot of curation going on. People making playlists and you know mm-hmm. things like that. And I, and I am actually getting turned on to a whole lot of new music now through like you know some of these things that I might not have been if it was just traditional radio. You know, because mm-hmm. traditional radio had so many strict things yeah. about what they what their what their ability to, what their spectrum of things they played. So feel like now you can you can listen to these playlists and listen to a wide variety of things and although to be fair I, I guess the best method is the same as it's always been word of mouth yeah no i mean what, if cool a friend, friend hands me yeah. a record and just says you got to listen to this you know like ted handed me the primal scream like memphis tapes and he's like you got to listen to this and i you know i was get home and was like wow friend handed me destroyer you know and he was like you have to listen to this record you know and i took it home wow 
Yeah. yeah. I, I would trust anything Doc Julian put in front of me. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, again, the new Poy Dog album, Keep on Loving Each Other. It's available now in, mm. in compact disc form. Yeah, you can yeah. also stream it mm-hmm, like, yeah. like the modern kids do. It's out on, uh, yeah, it's a band camp and, uh, for download, and then it's out on Spotify and Amazon, all that stuff. All the usual places. Album number 10, 10th full-length album from Poy Dog Pondering. I love it. Like I said, the messages are great. Uh, the musicianship and songwriting is fantastic. Uh, I, I, I keep on loving you. Thank you, brother. It's very kind of you to have me back. I appreciate it. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too, Frank. And thank you again to Few Spirits for having us. Thanks to yeah. Paul Holetko for the hospitality and for the rye, which Beautiful. Frank is a fan of. So. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, brother.